Hi, and welcome to the Kaya Wellness Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ayala, mental health professional and wellness connoisseur, sharing with you the latest information, talks, and tips to support you on your wellness journey. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to have you here at the Kaya Wellness Mind Body Podcast. And today's episode is all about breath and the relationship that I personally share with breath and hopefully will encourage you to begin to discover, explore, and examine your own relationship with breath. So through today's podcast, we're going to talk about defining our relationship with breath. I'm going to share with you kind of my timeline of experience with that relationship with breath. Um, Learn a little bit about how breath can be a wellness tool. Talk a little bit about the science of the breath also share with you the myths about deep breathing, and we'll have an opportunity to kind of practice our own breath here for just a moment. So before we dive deep into this idea of breath, I really want to just invite us all to spend a moment to just arrive in this space together. Maybe you're driving in your car, maybe you're listening while you're cleaning, maybe you're on a walk, but wherever you are, I just want to invite you in to take an inventory of the surroundings around you, really allowing the brain and the body, the mind and the body to begin to connect about where you are and creating an enriched space for yourself. And I want to invite you to maybe bring some awareness to your breath, I'm going to allow myself to take an inhale at my pace and rhythm and softly exhale one more time for myself. Feel free to join. It's really beautiful, the nourishment that I experience from just simply pausing with my breath. And if you join me in that moment of breathing, maybe this just might be the first time that you had or shared conscious relationship with breath. The beauty of the breath is that it does not need any thinking to work. It just runs all on its own. Thankfully, our brain has mechanisms that allow the breath to move freely without any effort at all. And then our breath works in relationship with the atmospheric pressure. So it's almost as if Mother Earth and the universe and our intuitive self has the breath all worked out for us so we can give attention and focus to other things in our life. But what would happen if we brought in our own online intelligence with breath? How would that impact us? And this is, in essence, the relationship that I share with breath. I like to define the relationship with breath as a conscious awareness, the ability to bring my mind, the thoughts that I have about breath, develop thoughts that I have about breath out of the sensory experience, the feeling experience that I share with breath. So this requires me to be in a feeling state. This requires me to have at my access the ability to sense, to feel, to see the body movement, to feel the pressure in my body, to feel the warmth, the coolness of the breath, and then begin to develop a dialogue about what is happening inside of me. So sharing a relationship with breath is about 
creating your own definition through your own experience. And speaking of experience, as a novice therapist, I always wondered why I never taught breath to my clients and why I never really saw anybody teach anybody breath um, to their clients. It was never anything that was really talked about through my um, mental health professional um, teachings and um, learning experiences, but I heard people talk about it a lot, you know, and maybe even cue people to take deep breaths. And I thought to myself, if someone is coming into um, a healing setting and they need cueing on how to breathe, and man, they must be in really big trouble. And that was a really kind of mm, biased view of the breath. And, and I really didn't have much education or, or intelligence about the power of the breath at the time. So I kind of in the beginning had a um, somewhat of a mm, judgmental view about the breath and, and what its real powers held. But since I've started my own wellness journey and dove into my practices with yoga, my practices learning from my teachers and moving dynamically, my body with the breath, oh my gosh, I feel like I've unlocked a whole nother world to experience life through. So my evolution with the, the relationship I share with breath was one of judgment and now is one with curiosity and openness. And if you have found yourself in that same space too, I want to just invite you into being really self-compassionate. As I've done my own reflection, I kind of learned now that judgment is the brain's natural way to respond to the things that we don't know. Our brain is really designed to protect itself first. And one of our more intelligent survival skills is to be judgy. <laughs> you know, we want to try and figure out the whys and the hows and the and, and understand something before we give ourselves a chance to kind of immerse ourselves into it. So if you find yourself in a judgmental place like I did with breath, I want you to know that you're in the right place. All I ask of you is that you have maybe just a little bit more tenderness, a little bit more openness, not just to the breath, but to yourself as we kind of walk along this journey. So breath as a wellness tool has been something that I have called upon in an attempt to bring down my nervous system, especially when I'm in a state of preparedness. Maybe I'm preparing for this podcast or I'm preparing to meet with one of my clients. The breath is one of the most accessible tools and that we can use to help regulate our nervous system. Um, breath is essential in our wellness journey as it is not just for our mental health body, but also for our physical body. So as we dive in a little bit here, even deeper, when we talk about the science of the breath, there are three parts of the breath that I want to share with you. And the first is the primary breath. The primary breath is something that you would experience within maybe the, the nose and the throat and the face of of breathing. This is kind of the physical space where maybe you will experience the breath, the throat, the nose, the face, the mouth. And what I mean by that is this might be experienced in a sensory way in the event that you found yourself hyperventilating. Now, this isn't going to be an effective breath that we use in our everyday but of course, we might find ourselves in a hyperventilating state when we have an overactive nervous system. And this might be essential when we are in real life danger, when we are in a real life experience, 
face-to-face with real and present danger. This may be a natural response. I'm not saying it's effective and I'm not necessarily encouraging to find yourself in a hyperventilated state, but nonetheless, we're just noting and creating a little bit of awareness of what is happening if you found yourself in a hyperventilative state. This is what we would call a primary breath. The next type of breath would be a secondary breath. And the way that I know that I'm utilizing a secondary breath is when I can feel my shoulders moving closer to my ears. And this experience of my shoulders moving closer to my ears is kind of the breath that I experience mostly when I'm exercising really vigorously. My attempts to bring in air at a much more rapid pace won't necessarily allow me to bring breath deeper into my belly center. So this is the type of breath that you might notice when you're exercising. If we've been exposed to prolonged stress or traumatic events, you might find yourself walking through your everyday life in this secondary breath. And as I was saying earlier, we can notice this because we feel it with the movement of our shoulders. So the initiation of breath doesn't necessarily happen from its fullest capacity in the belly center, but we feel it moving through the shoulder cavities and expanding through maybe the top of the chest. So some situations where you might find yourself using this type of breath is not only in an exercise space, but let's say you were in a in the face of real and present danger and needed to run away from something, then this is going to be a breath that is appropriate to use in that setting. But I want to say it again, it is not the breath that we use in our everyday life. And the belly breath, of course, you might have heard this referred to as the diaphragmatic breath. But the interesting thing here is that we use the diaphragm in the primary, secondary, and belly breath. So I don't necessarily like to use the term diaphragmatic breath, but I like to use the term belly breath. And in the belly breath, what we're doing is we're allowing the fullest capacity of our body to really allow ourselves to sip in the breath to its fullest form so we can begin to nourish ourselves at the cellular level. So this is going to be the breath that helps nourish the whole mind-body system and is the breath that we want to attempt to access as much as possible. But doing so is going to require us to reshape our relationship by bringing awareness to each present moment that's available to you to have that full belly breath. Not a bully breath, but a a belly breath. So I want to talk about the myths real quick of a deep breath. When I was learning breath um, for the first time, I noticed that no one really cued the breath as a deep breath. But as I moved through my walking life and, and even in my professional therapeutic settings, I noticed that a lot of practitioners cue people to take a deep breath. But what happens whenever we take a deep breath is like drinking out of a fire hose. The body doesn't have the capacity to bring in that volume of breath without creating some sort of restriction. So just as an example, if you're open to having a little experience here, I want to invite you into the sensation of what you know as a deep breath. And for me, this is kind of creating a big O shape with my mouth. 
And in that process, I, I drink in as much air as I can. And when I do that, I notice that my capacity for breath. So if we're going to talk about the count of the inhale is only about two to three measures that only lasts about maybe two seconds. And within that two seconds, I am bringing in as much volume of breath as I can into these spaces, these cavities within my body. Now, if you tap into your sensations, I want to bring in some body sensory awareness as you take that deep breath and notice where you feel that in my, in your body. For me, in my body, strangely enough, as I sit here, I'm feeling this in my SI joint, in my sacrum. I'm feeling a pressure, almost like a pull down on that SI joint. I'm noticing right in my sternum, a little bit of pressure, and I'm noticing a tightness that kind of moves from my armpits in towards my midline. So moving right through my breastbone, I'm noticing some tightness that creates along the chest. Well, if you've ever been to a haunted house or watched a scary movie, or maybe even just been frightened by someone, you might notice that the first thing you do is take a deep breath. (gasps) It is the same signal. It's the same experience that we have when we're scared. So how does this impact the body? Well, the body could just possibly be recognizing this as a fight or flight response. So cueing ourselves to take a deep breath and ever finding yourself in a place that goes, this isn't working. Now we can understand why this is why we don't cue ourselves to take a deep breath because it mimics the same effects as when we are scared. (gasps) And the interesting thing is that when you realize that there is nothing to be frightened of, what is the first thing you do? (sighs) We give a big exhale. And this is the part of the breath, the exhale, that is the most relieving, that is the most effective part of the breath. So the myths about deep breathing is that we don't really want to deep breathe at all in the traditional sense, but I'm going to teach you today a little process here, a four-step breath process that's going to help neutralize your breath and reshape the relationship that you have with the breath, especially from a calming perspective. So let me first talk about an effective belly breath and what this may look like. So contrary to our popular belief, as we've already discussed, we don't want to try and bring in as much air as we can. I like for you to visualize someone who smokes, or if you've ever engaged in the practice of smoking anything in your life. Now, by no means am I encouraging you to start or pick back up a smoking practice, but I have a philosophy here that smokers might have the most effective process, most effective relationship with their breath. In the process of smoking, we bring a tool towards our mouth, and this tool helps create what we call a valve. So when we bring the device to our mouth, we're creating a valve that helps control the amount of air and breath that we bring into our body. Now, this is completely different to the valve or wide open mouth experience that we have when we deep breathe. So that's number one is a valved breath. And I like to call this a pursing of the lips. Now, most of my clients 
feel kind of strange. And even I do too, whenever we start practicing this, but I really want to invite you into giving yourself full permission to purse the lips. So that's step one. We want to create a valve. Step two, after we have the device towards our mouth is that we bring in airflow through that device. Now we don't do that by sucking in air quickly, fastly, hardly. We do that by taking in long, low and slow inhales. So not only are we creating a valve, but now we're creating a sense of control. You decide how much breath you bring in. And we do that through a sensory experience. So number one valve, number two, we bring in in the inhale on a very low and slow and controlled experience. Okay. Step three, the device is in our mouth. We've taken that low and slow inhale. And the third step here is we want to enrich whatever we've brought into our body. So we give a nice little gentle hold. And this is the most soft, most tender pause at the top of the breath. And then next, after we have that pause, we have an even longer and even slower and even sexier exhale. So essentially we're creating a elongation of the exhale. So the inhale may be a two to three, maybe even four counts. And then we want that exhale to be a three to four and maybe even five on the exhale counts. And so this right here is the most effective way to practice a belly breath, a self-regulating breath. So we're going to give it a little try here. I want to invite you all, wherever you are, if you feel safe enough to do so, to just softly notice your breath in the state that it's in. We're not going to try and manipulate it. We're not going to try and change it, but just simply be with your breath. And the really interesting thing is that whenever I bring this awareness to my breath, I notice that my breath inherently changes and bringing attention to it and just see if you can kind of softly let it come back to wherever its natural pace and rhythm was. Find your next exhale, purse your lips, give it a little pucker like you're going to kiss a fish. I want to softly invite you to inhale for three to four counts. Inhale to three, four. Now give a little gentle pause. And then I want you to follow that exhale through the same purse lips. Exhale, two, three, four, five, empty. Now let's pause there. Check in with your body. Notice the relationship that you shared with that breath. How is this just a little bit different than our perceived, our, 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 Uh, um, gosh, the word is just leaving my mind. Then our perceptions, there we go, of a deep breath in the beginning. It's quite different. So let's see if we can tap back in to that belly practice just one more time. So just notice and observe your breath in this shape. You'll give a natural exhale. We purse the lips. We inhale two, three, four, gentle pause, exhale, two, three, four, five. And there you have it. No forcing, no pulling, no pushing, 
but gently guiding your breath. I don't know about you, but I really don't like to be told what to do. (laughs) I don't really like to be forced into anything. And this is kind of how I imagine a deep breath. It's kind of forcing breath into spaces that it doesn't necessarily want to go. But as we use and reshape our relationship with the breath through this idea of belly breathing, we're simply guiding the breath. We're guiding the breath through the nostrils. We're guiding and inviting the breath through the throat. We're guiding and inviting the breath down into the belly center. And then we guide the breath back out of the body. So this is more of an invitation. When we reshape the relationship with the breath, into an invitation, we can work together with the breath. So here are some key points here that I'd like for you to kind of tap into within your physical body is that remember, this is a practice and that this is a relationship that you're reshaping. It's kind of like getting to know someone new for the first time. You don't just say, okay, hey, we're best friends forever now, but we take time. We take time to get to know each other. We take time to learn the ins and outs and and our likes and dislikes. So just know if this breath doesn't seem as fruitful for you, know that it's going to take a little bit of investing into the breath for you to begin to develop that relationship with the breath that works for your mind and your body. So go ahead and give yourself some grace. And remember, I wouldn't even know how to measure the best breath or the most perfect breath. So as you begin to develop this relationship with your breath, keep in mind, it is not about achieving the best breath. What this is really about is creating connection to the breath and then making decisions on what you like, what you don't like, and what you'd like to change. If you notice that your shoulders come up towards your ears, maybe there's an invitation to soften through the armpits I like to do this by maybe squeezing my ears and my, excuse me, squeezing my shoulders all the way up to my ears and then gently releasing through the armpits, releasing the muscles through my rib cage and just kind of softening through my upper body. When I soften through my upper body, I'm creating just a little bit more room and space for my rib cage to move. A beautiful little indication that you're allowing the breath to come into the rib cage is by simply placing your right hand on the right side of the widest part of your rib cage. Kind of like you're holding a cup, but you're not holding a cup, you're holding your rib cage. And same thing with your left hand. And when your shoulders are softened, when you feel less restriction in your neck, the tops of your shoulders, your traps, the front of your chest, maybe even through your arms. As you softly inhale, just even holding this shape, we don't have to move into the belly breath. You'll start to feel the rib cage expand right into your hands. And this is a good indication that you have the capacity to bring breath down into the belly center. So here is just a little practice for you to keep working on. If you found this helpful and you want to learn a little bit more, I want to encourage you to visit my YouTube channel and check out the practice called Breath for Mind and Body. This will be a great adjunct to this talk that we had today. 
Subscribe, like, and follow Kaya Wellness by Kelly on my YouTube channel, and also subscribe and like this podcast here and share on your favorite social media platforms. Be well, be moving, and as always, be you. You have been listening to the Kaya Wellness Mind Body Podcast. To learn more about Kaya Wellness, visit kayawellness.life. You can also follow me on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Kaya Wellness by Kelly.